Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Jesus is taking his apostles on this journey, right? And it sounds so strange to us that they were talking about which one of them is the greatest, right? How often have you been out with your friends and you're like, hey, real, real quick, before the drinks come, I just want to let you guys know I'm probably the greatest among you. Like, no one, no one does this, right? But they're trying to say is, look, I saw you do your gifts. Peter, that was really cool the way you spoke. And hey, James, you cast out those demons. And so they say, well, casting out demons is going to be what's most important. No, 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 preaching is most important. No, no, prayer, I'm a prayer person. That's what's most important. See, they were looking at each other's gifts and say, which one's the most valuable? Which one is going to be like, when you get to the he heaven, they're like, oh, wow, you were these kind of people. And this posture is really what we could call the posture of an orphan. It's a posture of someone who's alone and trying to prove, strive, accomplish, grasp, get. It's a posture that says, when it comes to the question of am I enough, am I good, am I a gift, I don't know the answer. And so I'm at least going to prove, strive, and get my validation all by my efforts alone. I'm simply going to work harder, be smarter, funnier, faster, whatever, so that I can prove, look, look how good I am. Look all these things I did. We have a certain kind of masochism in our culture. We love what's hard. Right? We love it. We have phrases like this, right? No pain, no... Yeah, right? Might makes right. And there's some fields where coaches say this because they want you to run faster and bench press more. Okay, there's something understandable in these sports things. But when it comes to the heart, no pain, no gain is one of the most dangerous things to ever treat ourselves with. No pain, no gain is like a dad saying to his little kid, hey, you didn't cry today, which means you didn't grow up today. Oh, your day wasn't hard enough for you. If it was just harder, it would have been a better day. We, we would never say that to a little kid we love. And yet we have this sense for ourselves, bring it on. We have this sense, you know, I've been working 12-hour days for the last two weeks. Everyone goes, ooh, you're so busy. You must be really important. And of course, we don't want to say it out loud, but there's a sense in which that's how we prove ourselves. That's how we show our goodness and worth. That's what was going on with the apostles. Peter's like, well, you know, he always talks to me when all of you are over there. And John's like, you know, I'm known as the beloved disciple. So James like, well, there's two of us. So we kind of, there's two Jameses. We're a big deal. They're trying to show because in their hearts they don't know the answer to the question, am I an irreplaceable, unique gift? 
Perhaps for some of them it was a question mark. Perhaps for some they already answered it, no, I'm not a gift. All the more then do I need to hide what I think is bad through all these impressive things so that at least maybe you might like me because I don't think I measure up. So they're doing all this dynamic. And Jesus, in all of it, in the midst of it, says, boys, come here. And he brings a little child, wraps his arms around the child. Do we see the warmth and love of Jesus? Like, puts his arms around this child. Like, this is our God, remember. So affectionate and tender. Delighting in things that are so unimpressive. Five-year-olds are not impressive. But they're endearing and lovable. They pull the love right out of you. Right? And he says... Unless you receive a child in my name, you don't receive me. And if you receive me, you don't receive me, but the one who sent me. What does he mean? He means unless you let the worldview, posture, and dispositions of a child capture you, seize you, and form you, you will never be able to experience the power of Jesus and the Father. This is amazing because if someone said, how do you get into heaven? We begin giving them things to do. How do you get to heaven? Pray, stop sinning, go to mass, serve the poor, forgive your enemies. All beautiful, right things. But not the first thing. Not the first. Those are the fruit or the result of this first thing. What is the first move in order to, quote-unquote, get into heaven? To have a heart like a child. What is a child's heart? It's wide open. It is not plagued by the fears of, do you love me? Because they playfully will say as they're going to bed, Mom, how much do you love me? And they I love you a lot. How much is a lot? To the moon and back, I love you too. And they hug and kiss. It's a reckless, open trust. There's no proving and shame and striving and hiding in a child's heart. In the Gospel of Matthew, similar story, Jesus says, unless you turn and become like a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom. Meaning the kingdom, those who are on their way to true holiness, are not those who have amazing to-do lists letters after their name for their studies, certain size houses, nice clothes, brilliant intellects, a great library, nice cars, popularity in school. They are on the, they're on the varsity team for everything. That's not the sign of someone who's on their way into the kingdom. The sign of someone who's on their way to the kingdom is someone who is spontaneously free. They can be themselves because they know I am good and loved and a gift. How does a kid know that? Because their father and their mother have poured into them. How did Jesus know it? Because God the Father and the Blessed Mother poured into him. What have you and I been baptized into? The relationship with Mary as mother and God as father. Those same Niagara Falls of love are there for you and me 
just like they're there for Jesus. So what's the first move? Stop. Stop with the endless striving and grasping and proving and exhaustion and allow the Father to look at you with great love. Allow Mary to hold you with a tender affection. We are not defined by our sins and brokenness. We are defined by their love. Only someone who knows the love of the Father for them uniquely is freed to actually forgive their enemies. Freed from a deep place within of shame to actually pray, to serve those in need, to be engaged with the sacraments. Jesus takes this child and holds him to say, look, this kid was doing nothing. Remember, there's no mention like, oh, and they were walking by a bunch of kids. No one even noticed the kids because they were nothings. They were nobodies. They weren't impressive and fancy. They're just kids. But for God, kids are the archetype. Kids are the revelation. Kids are the prophetic voice of how to be human, happy, and holy. Now, all this can sound quaint and beautiful, but let me let you know something about this. When I preached one time, now I've preached on all sorts of tough topics in my eight years of priesthood already, and I don't always enjoy preaching tough topics, but you're gonna, I have to do it if I'm going to try to be a faithful priest. The most I've ever been criticized, the most I've ever been challenged, the most I've ever gotten negative emails and phone calls is when I said we need to stop our to-do lists and just sit with God more. And the people who came out of the woodwork, I'm sorry, this is just true what happened to me, were moms. And they said, and I quote, are you going to come wash the dishes? Are you going to do the laundry at our home then, Father? See, what came out of them was the pain of, I would love to be able to be loved, but I believe I can't stop and be loved. I think it's a waste of time. To which, let me remind you of the first reading. The Holy One is obnoxious to us. In this example, it sounds like I'm making myself the Holy One. I'm not. I mean Jesus. His teachings are obnoxious, annoying, challenging, not open, because we think it means we have to do more. Oh, we hate Jesus. He makes me do more things in my life. It's obnoxious because he actually is telling you, you know the rat race you're on? You know the striving, the to-do list, the calendars, get to the next thing, prove, strive, grasp, accomplish? I want you to stop and open up your desires for a life of meaning and love to me and wait on me. You are not an orphan. You are loved. And that's really hard. We believe in a God who commands a Sabbath. Meaning one day a week he says, you know all that work? No more. I want you just to waste time in relationship with God, family, and friends. He commands the Sabbath before he says, do not kill. Yet our God is weird. He's challenging, but he's challenging in the sweetest of ways. He really does want to touch our hearts with his life and love 
so we no longer are like everyone else in the world, exhausted by proving our worth. We already know our worth. It came from God, revealed in Jesus, and freed up. We now can engage in activities with the freedom and joy of a child. This week, I challenge you to get rid of two things on your calendar or to-do list. And in that time, go for a walk, talk to the Lord, listen to a great podcast about Christianity or Jesus. Do something, come back on the property and sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament here. St. Teresa of Avila said, prayer is nothing but wasting time with God. It often feels that way because our hearts want so many things besides God. We want to do this because we feel so great. Jesus wants to just spend time with us because he thinks we're so great. Amen.